Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Are Revolting, a definitive weekly news source for contemporary gays. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter, or join our community on Facebook by searching The Gays Are Revolting. And now, more than ever, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash gaysrevoltingpod. And of course, for everyone that is signed up to our Patreon, we will be doing another live uh, chat with our Patreons this Sunday uh, at 8pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. So sign up to that Patreon, get into the yeah. chat Ooh, room with yeah. us. You can ask my ASL and whatever other <laughs> cool things oh I can lol at you. How are lol. you, Queen? <laughs> yeah, yeah pretty good. Pretty Big good. happy birthday to Kyle. Happy birthday, oh, Kyle. Stop. Thank you. <laughs> um, we got you a really exciting present, Kyle, and I know you're going to like it. Oh. Um, we made sure that Luke wouldn't be here for this episode. <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> it's what I always wanted. No, I, no. Today is your actual birthday, the 16th yes. that we are recording on. Um, have you had a, a beautiful day full of lovely coronavirus-free, exciting <laughs> stuff? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I just it's been a pretty quiet day. <laughs> yeah, I, I say birthdays, I'm sure a lot of people are going through right now. So I had a friend, my lovely friend Lisa, drop off um, a card and some alcohol on my doorstep this oh, morning oh, and she like so waved nice. at me from over the hedge. I was like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's so nice. Um, and then I went for like a nice morning walk with my brother and got a coffee and a croissant. Yeah, Duncan just arrived just as we started recording, so I think we're going to have a nice dinner and maybe get a bit lit on this Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> Why not, darling? Yeah. You're unemployed, stuck at home. How often does that happen? <laughs> um, Josh and I have become obsessed with playing Smash Brothers on Switch. Oh, um, really? I'm brother, so bad My brother-in-law, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my brother-in-law's partner is, like, the best at it the other day, and he oh was just gosh. like, oh, do you guys want to play this game with me? And I was just like, yeah, sure, why not? Smashed us every single time. I was like, all right, <laughs> This the is my mission <laughs> yeah. to get better than you and beat you at this game. So that's been my existence for the last oh, four years. <laughs> okay. And you, Tom, you're enjoying boyfriend isolation? <laughs> um, the boyfriend stuff's good. I've, I, to be honest, like I'm really struggling. I, I yeah. sort of spoke to you guys um, yeah. after last week's episode, and and I guess I also want to say it for people listening to the podcast as well. I mean, when you consume media, you just sort of expect the people mm. hosting whatever it is, whether it's you know like this or on television or, or whatever to always be perky and upbeat. And I have to be honest, I don't feel perky or upbeat. I'm really stra- yeah. it's starting to really hit me now. And I, and I fully mm. acknowledge that I have it a lot better than a lot of other people. But, you know, for the first time in eight years, I've got no mm. gigs coming up. And that's the mm-hmm. thing I love doing the most is performing. Yeah. Um, I feel like my day job uh, is, is, is hanging by a thread, for want of a better word. I, I work yeah. for a state government um, institution, which means that I'm not eligible for JobKeeper because yeah. um, it's a state-funded organisation. And whilst I am still working at the moment, we find out on Fridays whether we're not whether or not we're working the following Monday. Mm-hmm. So there's complete total uncertainty as to what's happening with that, which is just playing on my mind constantly. Um, I've had, you know, I've had a friend who's relapsed um, with... Um, you know, some pretty severe drug re- use as a, as a direct result of, of being in yeah. isolation from coronavirus. I've had another friend who's a couple who are friends of mine who have gone through this horrific breakup as a direct result of isolation and stuff. And it's it's just really starting to get to me. I can't. Yeah. I, I, it's, I mean, um, 
that feeling of wanting you know normally you when someone a friend is going through something serious like that you just want to drop everything to go and help and you can't be there for the fucking virus yeah Yeah, can't be there to go and do that and i'm used you know i've i feel like a fraud being on this and i know that you guys are very Mm -hmm. supportive and you'll say lovely Mm -hmm. things when i say this but i've always felt that my relevance on this podcast is because i have a ongoing presence in the physical queer space yeah and and that i i i'm you know as i performed a couple of times a week and and i i mean the queer physical queer space on a regular basis that's my relevance Mm. for this show and getting ready for this that's absolutely true tom but i mean this is doing this right now is also your presence so yeah no i know it's just sort of it's just really hard to feel motivated to do Put it this way, I'm not. Yeah. I, please don't expect me to be funny. <laughs> no, that's. I, I never do. Yeah. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> oh, now all of a sudden you're funny. Now you're in isolation you. with Look. a bottle of booze. As one supreme falls, another rises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been talking to another to to a, a very well known drag artist who mm-hmm. about how how she's going and. Yeah. She's like, I feel like shit. I'm getting messages from fans that are angry at me because I haven't put anything online. And and you know, That's props how to the people, queens. Yeah. yeah, well, props to the queens that have managed to do some 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 great stuff. Absolutely. Um, but for a lot of artists, their entire future of their career is has been wiped. Every gig yeah. they have has been wiped, and they have no idea when that starts back again. And and you know, I was talking to this poor queen who's saying, you know, I'm getting told off by fans for not creating free entertainment for them to That's enjoy online. Yeah. I've nah. just lost my entire career and I sort of get where they're coming from it's really hard Absolutely. for, and this is sort of what Arts and Mine was talking about a few weeks yeah. ago it's hard to feel creative I, I interviewed Rhonda Birchmore on my other podcast with Granny Bingo Wireless slight plug and she was saying <laughs> the same thing you know this was she just gotten out of the jungle um, yeah. from I'm a celebrity get me out of here and mm. This was going to uh, was booked to be her busiest year in, in a couple of decades, yeah. and now all of a sudden there's nothing there. It's really hard to sort of be oh, positive. Yeah. And God, how good does it? Anyway, so right that's now. sort of where I'm I'm going. But I want to do a shout out to someone who who made me smile today and made me feel really good. Are you, are you guys fans of Lisa Mann, the drag artist? In yes, love yeah. Lisa Mann. I don't know if you've been watching um, her drinking in wigs sessions, which is <laughs> go and check out her Facebook page for that. But she's also been doing this great thing. It actually made me a little bit teary when I was reading about it. She's um, putting a post up when she so. She's still got her day job and has still got a um, an income coming through. And she mm-hmm. said because she is in that privileged position, she's going to pay a bill every with every paycheck from a person. Oh, from that's so nice. So every, every paycheck, she's putting a thing up where people can just comment. No questions asked. She'll pay one of their bills for them so they don't have to worry about it. Wow. And she's now had a whole lot of other people from the community in a similar position to her reach out and say, hey, I can I can afford to cover a bill as well. So she's now covering several bills uh, every fortnight. God, that's nice. Yeah, it's one of those beautiful things yeah. in really shit time that really. you see our community coming together and yeah. doing so love you lisa well done oh thanks lisa love you sorry that got really dark <laughs> no that's all right <laughs> yeah i guess it's really tough to hear that yeah there are so many people and like people so close to us like you tom like going mm. through this all and like being really affected by it because it does kind of tend to catch up with you yeah um, and, and like and, you know our, our community is a resilient one and we've been through shit absolutely. um yeah but i i think that we were we were all really strong in that initial few weeks we're like yeah. nah, we've been through shit before we can get mm-hmm. through this but as this is dragging on it and we're not able to spend time with each other especially for the ones that that are used mm-hmm. to sort of spending time in the physical space it is starting to t- sort of wear us down yeah. a lot and i find myself getting emotional and cranky at yeah. ridiculous things um and i think it, yeah that that's that seems to be a common theme when i'm talking to a lot of other friends that are going yeah this absolutely and i don't think it's easy as well because like the government have just announced that we're going to still be in isolation for another four weeks at least mm. so mm-hmm. like i think people were hoping that this was all going to be over very soon and i just i can't even imagine how this is going to further affect people's mental health yeah. and relationships absolutely. in the houses that they're in Totally. Like the future is such an unstable, volatile mm. thing. You just can't plan anything ahead. So it's a horrible turmoil for everyone. Now to talk to us about how the coronavirus is affecting the trans and non-binary community, we're joined by the amazing Sally Goldner, uh, who's a leading educator and speaker. Her involvement in Victoria's queer community has spanned more than 20 years, and we're really honoured to have you here with us today. Sally, thanks so much for joining us for a chat. Thank you. Thanks. Great to be with you and get the issues out there. Yeah. Now, we know that navigating housing, employment and healthcare as a trans person or a non-binary person isn't easy whatsoever, and a pandemic makes things even harder. How does this kind of stress end up affecting the health of a person? 
Yeah, look, you've hit the, the sort of nail right on the head there, the executive summary, if you like, that the usual challenges of an unequal and inequitable society for trans and gender diverse people are more exaggerated in a time like this. So, you know, if you are homeless, and I was actually on a video conference with this the other day, that people who are homeless or people who need to be on the streets, let's bring in another example, if you are someone who's a substance user and let's say you need to get to the injecting room in Victoria in North Richmond, well, will police have a go at you? That sort of thing, which brings in yet another angle. So it just exaggerates and exacerbates all the sort of various stressors that are out there. It just makes them worse. Many trans people also identify strongly with various traits of neuroprocessing, um, how our brains function, which is all different, and the linkage there to mental health. And so those can be exaggerated. And I'm funny, where are we now? It's coming up to sort of five weeks since mm. the first stages of yeah. lockdown. And I'm really only just beginning to feel grounded again as someone who feels things very processes information in, I always say, greater length, depth and breadth than the median of, of the human race. That's been really difficult to have all my routines uprooted and that sort of thing, but acknowledging that people who face multiple layers of discrimination are going to have even more challenges, you know, that could be even, as I say, even greater degree intensity of challenge um, than, say, what I've gone through. Yeah. Now, one of the the things of social that social distancing has done has um, meant that we've had less access to community. And I know that the entire queer community really does rely on our physical community to be able to sort of support each other and that sort of thing. And and from my experience with our, our trans siblings, that's something that's really um, even more so relied upon in the trans community. Are you seeing um, results from that already, or is that something we're going to see down the track from people not being able to access their own community in a physical sense? So, yeah, community in a physical sense, yes, we've missed that. And, I mean, you know, we, like everyone, I think we're sort of, there's a, I'll call it an inverted commas, rational part of our brain that is accepting that what we are needing to do at the moment is necessary, but there's an emotional part of our brain that's sort of, you know, obviously feeling stressed and there's a sense of grief and loss for what we had, for say, four weeks ago, whatever it was, um, all those sorts of things. And this particularly happened for the trans community because we missed so much physical gathering on March 31st with Trans Day of Visibility. Mm. Yes, there was course, online yeah. presence, but not the same. And I think I know for me, I, there's what I call safe spaces and then there's really warm spaces. And when I'm in a really good trans or trans and non-binary trans or queer space, I can feel the energy. And so I'm missing that, I think. Mm. And I guess it would be the same for many others. So that's, we'll say, a more abstract thing. But there is other more physical things. And one clear example of that is that the Monash Adult Gender Clinic down here has put new referrals on hold for at least three months. Now, again, there's that rational part that says these are unprecedented times, but there is a part that says you can't just stop your journey just because there's a pandemic coming on. Yeah, and just to put that into layman's terms, for people that not, might not be familiar with the process, that can mean mm. that there is a restriction on people accessing uh, things like hormone replacement therapy, correct? That's right, yeah. Mm. So the, the very high at-risk period, at least anecdotally, and I think from some um, research I've seen, is that point where you go, I cannot go on trying to be a gender that isn't truly myself, yeah. and now I need to get on with my journey and therefore to suddenly have a big brick wall put in front of you in terms of being able to go further down the road is a huge issue. And the thing is, it means that the health services that we know to be inclusive, respectful and safe are going to be even more um, burdened. So down here that in Melbourne, that would be places like um, Drummond Street slash Queer Space, Equinox, um, Northside Clinic and Sydney, I'm guessing places like the Gender Centre, uh, for example, um, are just going to have more of a load that people because one service has gone on hold, and it is uh, there is a sense of frustration in that decision, and the sense of stress and increased emotions and feelings that that will that will result from that. Mm. Um, in Australia at the moment, and in many parts of the world, um, gender affirmation surgeries for trans people have been ceased. Um, mm-hmm. Although the ban sort of does look like it is going to be lifted possibly next week. How are sort of trans people responding to this, especially given that, like, you have to wait so long 
to be like given approval for these sort of surgeries. Yeah, how are people being affected by this and how they're responding? You again, right on the button there. That um, you know, you sort of you you know, for those people who really need surgery to be their yeah. authentic self, you've built up for it, you've set a date. I have heard, understandably, of people crossing days off on a calendar, and all of a sudden, yeah. sorry, gone. Um, you know, you know, you're sort of where, whether you you go to the back of the queue or whether the queue just gets pushed back by whatever mm. amount of time for everyone equally, we don't know. Mm. So this is, you know, it's a huge issue. Again, cause it must be causing some degree of mental health stuff. It would be a very strong person who can just be resigned and say, okay, that's the way it is. And so, yeah, it is a huge issue. And the, the way that trans surgeries often get described as elective or non-essential, we know, of course, if you need that, it's really vital, life-saving, yeah, life-changing surgery. Yeah. I was blown away to read that that was included as elective surgery or non-essential surgery because we've seen studies, it's not just anecdotal, that yeah. it is proven that that is essential for a lot of people to continue living. Um, I was quite dumbfounded and really heartbroken to see that that had, I'm glad they're reviewing that decision now because that's really, really awful. Yeah, hopefully that can be remedied um, anywhere, um, including in Australia, including mm. the Monash Clinic as quickly mm. as possible. I just think that's a really troubling approach that doesn't understand specific needs and will exaggerate that inequity that we mentioned at the top of the, the show. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of inequity, another thing that we've seen is an explosion in unemployment, of course, um, one of the highest rates of unemployment Australia's year seen in a couple of decades uh, as, a, as a result of COVID-19, of course. Um, is that something that's also affecting the trans community disproportionately? Yeah, already, you know, again, already was beforehand um, mm. and then varying degrees around the trans community. You know, we've had anecdotal evidence that people whose sense of identity is other than male or female or employers find, oh, that's all just too hard, um, mm. you know, and yet the person might be very well qualified for whatever role it is. Mm. I've had a couple of phone calls through to Transgender Victoria from a person who still has a job and it's not so much staff where the person works but say customers and people in the nearby mm. area who are being very transphobic and so now there's a sense of really feeling trapped they would like to get to some family overseas where they think they would feel better um, mm. and be safer but they can't so yeah um, people are either unemployed underemployed trapped in jobs that you know maybe are not as ideal as they'd want. So yep, um, the employment issue is definitely yeah. a big one as well. We've we've also seen you know federal government responses with things like Job Seeker, but we all we you know we know that there are barriers for a lot of trans people and non-binary people when going into organisations like Centrelink. Is that something mm. else that you're concerned about? Yeah, look, um, that that is definitely an issue. The Centrelink one, for example. I know many years ago when I was just at the point of realisation and not able to change all documents, I was in Centrelink presenting as my female self and, you know, you get called out as, I won't use my former male name, mm -hmm. Mr Fred Goldman, your appointment now. And it's like, gee, you've just been outed. So that yeah. stress is there. Yeah. We've heard of trans people being unfairly dobbed in for breaking um, the essential going out rule by transphobic neighbours. So there's probably more transphobia out there mm. and therefore probably, sadly, more, possibly more transphobia in a Centrelink waiting area or something. Mm. And the third thing I'd bring in is intersectionality. You know, if you are from, um, say, more than one group that's face, likely to face discrimination, there's an issue. And I'm thinking here in particular, acknowledging that I'm not a past or present sex worker, but given the stigma that sex workers face and that in most states and territories there's not a great deal of positive attitude or discrimination protection, all of a sudden mm. your income is wiped out because mm. there's no human contact and people aren't allowed, where are you going to get support? Are you going to get, um, course, what is it, yeah. JobKeeper or whatever job business yeah. benefits there are? You know, there's going to be a huge loss of income there and that was already, you know, in a very challenging state given the legislation in America 12 months ago, the so-called SESTA-FOSTA legislation. So trans sex workers, you know, will be facing challenges as well. So, you know, there's it's um, a lot of layers and a lot of overlap on all of these things. Mm. 
One of the concerns I've had for a lot of people in the queer community is, uh, you know, a lot of us will go and so I work personally in the arts uh, for my day job, mm-hmm. and a lot of us have gone and sought positions in different environments that we feel comfortable in. Um, and a lot of those industries have now been shut down, whether it's working at queer-friendly uh, hospitality venues yep. or, or in the arts or something like that. And so there's, of course, other services like the Working for Victoria scheme, but a lot of those those services you apply and you don't know which job you're going to be allocated. Mm-hmm. So again, I think that's another another oversight um, in, in some of these things that the federal government and the state government have set up that's not really taking into account a lot of the factors that queer people go through that perhaps the wider yeah. community doesn't go through as well. Yep, very true. It can be hard enough, again, to find a supportive work environment in terms of who you are and the particular um, skills that you have. And, yeah, now that's gone. And, yeah, was discussing that with people today that artists who have just suddenly lost their income. And I know down here the understandable, again, that the Melbourne International Comedy Festival mm. had to be um, not go ahead. But, you know, so many queer artists, including trans artists in there, who have just had a major source of their year's mm. income gone and now are struggling to find anything particular anywhere where they can be relatively safe and respected. So, yeah, there are, again, there's another challenge for particular people in lines of work for sure. And Sally, what's your view on um, school closures and how may they be affecting sort of trans children and trans teenagers? Yeah. Well, here's where we intersect into the area of family violence, including Mm. intimate partner violence, and in a way those health issues we discussed. If you've got... We'll say the majority of the people in your residence, parents, guardians, siblings are supportive, they use your correct name and pronouns, fine. But yeah. what if you're not? And it could yeah. have been that you're actually having a reasonably good time at school, even if parents, if, um, we'll say, your um, household were not supportive. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're suddenly being forced to stay at home against your will because parents mm-hmm. say, well, we're not sending you to school, there's going to be an issue. But even that aside, again, linking back to the other issues, let's say you were someone wanting to move forward with your journey as a young person but parents aren't supportive, where are you going to get that support? How can you get out to relevant appointments? So, yeah, um, the issue of where school may have been a safe place and home isn't, but it could be that um, schools weren't or there's perhaps less of your friends are there, those sorts of things who are supportive. Also, I think that an indirect effect of that is that with the the temporary loss of some of the parent support groups, parents Mm -hmm. who are looking for support have had less as well. Now, it will put strain on young people and family members, even if some of them are wanting to be supported, to lose those usual supports, whatever worked for each individual is definitely a concern. And if we step back a bit and look at what's happening on the global scale, we've seen in the last few weeks uh, lawmakers in the US state of Idaho pass bills preventing transgender people from amending their gender identity on their birth certificates and banning trans women and girls from competing on female sports teams, which to me just seems like government getting involved in a, a whole lot of things that they don't need to be involved in. Are you concerned about governments pushing through this kind of discriminatory legislation locally while everyone is distracted by the coronavirus? I think, okay, let's start locally then. I don't Mm -hmm. think that would happen here. I think Mm -hmm. that we have enough reserve acknowledging what was happening as I, if I can be a little dry-humoured, BC before corona, the the religious discrimination bill and the drafts thereof, which are at least on hold, but Mm -hmm. I did note that right-wing Tasmanian Liberal Senator Eric Abetz is saying, well, we won't get this done in 2020, but we'll definitely get it done in 2021. Mm -hmm. I don't think they'll try to push it through. I think there'd be enough outrage and they might realise... Do you think they learnt their lesson when they sort of started trying to push that through during the bushfires? Well, I don't think they did. I think the bushfires, even though as horrendous as they were, there was still enough ability for people to move around, organise and mobilise. I think that this is different because it's affecting everyone. And I think if they tried to push something through, I think they would see that that would backfire on them. But coming back to overseas, yeah, you mentioned Idaho, but there's also been Hungary where the right-wing president there has effectively taken pretty strong authoritarian control. They're trying to push through... Um, a sort of emergency decree, um, willfully using the times of COVID-19 
as a chance to push through highly transphobic laws. Right. Peru and Panama have, for whatever reason, said that I think it's men will go out for food on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, women on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, no one on Sunday. Well, we know where that's going for trans and gender diversity. It has led to a well-publicised case of a trans woman in Panama being penalised. And even if, for what, you know, this country has documentation that, say, affirms someone's gender identity, gender expression, the person still could be queried, you know, if they, mm. you know, if mm. they identify as a woman, they carry a card saying F for female, oh, you look like a man, that sort of thing. And, of course, where does this leave non-binary people mm. in yeah. um, as well? Um since we're chatting about sort of different governments and their sort of stands on LGBTQA plus people, I wanted to know where do you stand on sort of the Australian federal government's position on trans and non-gender conforming people in Australia? Well, obviously the Liberal Party, particularly since 2016, mm. when the safe schools debate erupted, then mm. we had the postal survey where trans people were caught up in an issue Marriage equality was never really a, tra- a major trans issue per se. Mm-hmm. But since 2016, we've seen a large chunk of our federal government aided by the, well, the inaccurately named newspaper, The Australian, because it should be mm-hmm. called The Un-Australian, yeah. with their attacks on trans and gender diverse people and families. But the federal government seems to have eased off a little, and I wish I knew how that happened for sure. Um, someone... An ally said they had managed to tone the rhetoric down, which is welcome, but we need more than just not being nasty. We need yeah. positivity, inclusion and allyship. Yeah. And when there are issues at a federal level that um, need to be progressed, you know, trans and specific ones such as, you know, covering out-of-pocket costs for surgeries is still a ongoing big-ticket item for trans and gender-diverse and non-binary people. Um, in even what I call usual times, greater access to hormones, um, particularly trans men. Some restrictions on testosterone a few years ago meant suddenly it was harder for trans men to get the access that they'd had. So these are the sort of issues that need tackling and there has been very little chance of progress, um, well, in the last seven years, but um, certainly under the current government, given it's relatively... I will say right wing, I wouldn't even say mm-hmm. conservative approaches to so many things. So, yeah, obviously disagreed with, but I suppose if we can at least hold back nastiness, that's better than, than nothing. Mm. Um, and this week we saw that the police that were involved in the Hares and Hyenas case last year were cleared of their excessive use of force, which I absolutely think is ridiculous. It's disgusting. Um, right. What sort of relationship does the trans community have towards law enforcement here in Australia? Look, it's well, it varies for starters, given that there mm. are seven different police forces, and I'm not really sure beyond Victoria and Federal how things are going. Victoria Police is better than it has been, but and there is an LGBTI working group. Um, a colleague in Transgender Victoria is involved in that. But research has consistently found a huge percentage of trans people have faced recent discrimination and, of course, over over their life from police. And so in terms, first of all, of the hares and hyenas situation, when people mm. see police and these sorts of perpetrators getting away with these sorts of things, even though I would be honest and say I don't believe that that was a queerphobic incident as mm. such, but I think they're as much as acknowledging my privilege as someone who's white and Anglo-Saxon, it would seem to me there probably were elements of racism. And when police virtually get off scot-free like this, it doesn't look good. The same as when sexual harassers get off or domestic violence perpetrators get off or are sort of rationalised or excused. It doesn't help relationships Mm. with vulnerable and or marginalised communities. You know, police, you know, we've sadly seen at times, even though there are clear anti-discrimination laws, will still perhaps do um, targeting systemically um, or, you know, not the whole police force, but some parts of it against minorities. And that's when there are clear laws. But at the moment, when we have this degree of vagueness about what is considered a valid reason to be out and about Mm. and how unclear it is you know Mm. sort of 
it can go for exercise close to home. Well, what does that mean? A kilometre away, five kilometres, ten. The thing is police will, sadly, the elements of police, to be fair, will target minority groups. Linking the two things together, the hares and hyenas outcome, and I do want to extend huge rainbow vibes to Roland, Crusader and Nick and all there. Um, my reports are that mm. you know that I think they would be finding this very upsetting, mm, um, and they are a huge institution here in Melbourne. I I could be a little. I'll just throw a little bit of dry humour. And we know that sometimes we don't get our rainbow communities to agree on everything. Well, the uh, the support for them at all times is a hundred percent plus. Mm. Yeah. And you know, I think that this is the one thing that people are you know really thinking about is what they must be going through. But, the, you know, linking these two things together, COVID and hairs, with the increased police presence out there alone, I imagine for a lot of people just the sight of uniforms like police or we saw military people hurting recently arrived from overseas people into the hotels. Yeah. Are they going to be trained in diversity? Are they going to respect trans people's pronouns? Probably not. But police sometimes will have a go at someone, particularly from a, from a minority group, when they're by themselves and it's the mm-hmm. old, oh, this is your word against mine. So yeah. this sort of, these two things combined together are not, you know, I can't see much good coming out of it. You know, I think it probably would be, there would be some degree of similarity for lesbian, gay and bi, and then again, really want to acknowledge intersectionality here, mm-hmm. trans sex workers, trans people of colour who will be really feeling like oh, our systems are not really providing natural justice in these many situations. Mm. You, you raise a really good point in there too, Sally, about the vagueness of these um, rules and instructions that we've been given. Um, and I think it's, 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 there's a lot of anxiety in the community, not just from the fact that a police officer might misinterpret them, but we're trying to do the right, a lot of us are trying to do the right thing when we go out there because we have so much anxiety about being stopped by police. And you're right, things like the areas in which we're allowed to exercise. Another one that, that really confused me was care. Like, what is care? Is, is, is there mental health care? If I'm concerned about a friend, can I go and 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 check on them and spend time with them and that sort of yeah. stuff. We're trying to do the right thing, but we don't have the actual rules written down yet because it's such a, a, a ad hoc sort of situation. Yeah, um, I think there's. it's not exactly clear. I mean, I have heard the word caregiving mentioned, but mm. for whom? You know, yes. Um, well, you know, then if you start having to go into sort of detail, will police accept it, mm. all that sort of thing. And, I mean, I think... You know, when our community does have greater mental health risk in the more usual times and people are struggling and so many, virtually everyone I know is, everyone has been in some way impacted. And, again, a conversation I had today with someone, um, a colleague, said um, that people they thought would perhaps go better in this whole scenario have collapsed and yet some people are rising to the occasion. Well, we mm. need to tap into every positive strength and reserve that we have. And if that means people getting out to support someone somehow mm. where you can't do it, just won't work online, then that's really important. Yeah, other aspects, I'll bring one in that's close to home. We are just coming up or have just gone through the period of Passover. Now I'm not Orthodox mm. Jewish by any means, but... I live in a part of Melbourne where I thought there'd be at least some more access to relevant foods like matzah for Passover, couldn't find a thing and really had to track it down. Now, that to me is essential, you know, for my celebration. Passover is an important part of things, but you know, I didn't want to go down to Melbourne's southeastern suburbs, which is a long way from where, not a long way, but moderate way from where I live. Um, even though that was for a reasonable religious and food purpose. But you, mm-hmm. you think if you're, you know, for police officer, what are you doing in Balaclava compared to where I live in just yeah. into the middle suburbs of the east of Melbourne, would they understand it? And I yeah. have heard of where police have ridiculed some Jewish, Orthodox Jewish stuff before. So it took a, lot, a bit more strain to get down there. So, yeah, there's so many factors where the whole vagueness of the police um, guidelines is really causing a lot of problems. Mm. And the Australian newspaper, which you called the un-Australian newspaper, which I really liked before, Mm. um, they have come under fire for launching and dedicating a gender section on their website featuring overwhelming negative transgender coverage. 
And last year, the United Nations slammed the Australian media outlets for diminishing transgender people and their doctors. How does the community deal with this sort of treatment from our media? It's not an easy one where you have Mm. media and other people voicing opinions who just have no sense of taking responsibility. You know, we hear this argument so much about freedom and individual Mm. freedom and rights to an opinion. Well, the other side of freedom of rights and rights is responsibility. And when people take this, well, I will, in a lay sense of the term, use the word sociopathic response and just not think about taking responsibility, not think about the consequences of actions. It's very difficult. Mm -hmm. But I'm also firmly convinced that, you know, the majority of the proverbial average citizens are decent people. They don't want to, you know, be outright offensive. Mm. You know, I I see this a lot as, um, well, again, more usual times will be out and about doing the diversity training that I do. People genuinely want to learn they don't know everything but they they come and do the training because they want to do the right thing and which is all you've ever ever really asked and then they go away and go oh okay great Mm. and i think there is a majority of people i'll say the grassroots might be a better way to put it than average citizen um, who do want to do the right thing and probably on all sorts of diversity Mm. there's more allies and i think that's something that can help us to try and keep those shrill voices in perspective. Hard reality is we're never going to get 100% of people being supportive of gay or trans or treating people on the basis of skin colour equally. But I think when it is at least two to one, that's where we, you know, at least need to keep it. And I I firmly believe that's the case. I naturally, in a utopian world, wish I could put the people who do that writing for the Australian into a one-way TARDIS to the other end of the universe with a big padlock on the door. Yeah. That's probably, um, I'm not sure if we can manifest that, though. So um, it's a nice image. We'll stick with yeah. it. <laughs> now, Sally, you uh, proudly identify as a trans and bisexual person uh, and have done some incredible work in, in the, both of those spaces. Um, but I was also surprised to hear that you also identify as introvert and a highly sensitive person because I've always perceived you to be a very loud and outspoken and, <laughs> and uh, brave person. Um, do you see the latter two traits as a strength that helps you to define the activism work that you do? For sure, yes. So let's cl- um, perhaps clarify the introvert one first. There, there's a stereotype of introverts being, you know, shy or mm-hmm. antisocial or whatever. No, we just have to socialise our way, you know, sort of um, as the, and this is very relevant at this time, there's this old saying, introverts of the world unite quietly together in our own homes via the internet. <laughs> well, we're doing ironically reasonably well at that yeah. at the moment. Um, but I think the thing that with introverts is that introverts can appear extroverted because we are tapping into a deep part of ourselves when we are passionate about something like, for me, being trans and bi. And I think it's that depth and, tap for me, tapping into a sense of my deep heart and soul that um, is a huge strength for me. And it's just, you know, like anything, I have to watch for the, you know, and avoid the places where that um, is not valued, but when it is valued, I can then keep tapping into it and it will reflect back. The highly sensitive person, which to use a more lay definition, I always just say a highly sensitive people feel and process information in greater length, depth and breadth than mm-hmm. the median of the population. So an example could be if someone is rattling a set of keys or something. For a lot of people, oh, they're just rattling a set of keys. For us, it's like 50 million car alarms going off in our office or something, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. It also gives us an ability to see things in greater length, depth and breadth and see more detail. And we sometimes therefore can overlook things. So for me as an activist whose biggest personal value is diversity, that's where it's, um, you know, it's perfectly natural for me to say, well, okay, yeah, I'm a white binary trans woman, for example, what about trans people of colour and non-binary and to have a sense of empathy and in the more usual sense of the term sensitivity to people who are different to me and and that sort of thing. So they are great strengths. Like a lot of people, I would add, um, the introvert and highly sensitive person, I was probably, you know, put down for those strengths. But once I understood them or realised what they were, didn't have to be put down. I've developed them to a point where they benefit my life and the lives of the people about whom I care. 
Fantastic. Um, and now, Sally, before we finish up for this evening, um, how can our listeners support the trans and non-binary community during this sort of time as the pandemic that we're in? Just keep reaching out, but just be there. Be there with a sense of kindness and the same rules of allyship that would apply any time. Things like, you know, respecting people's name in use and pronouns in use, those sorts of things still apply, but just hold space for people and acknowledge that sadly, you know, as, as we touched on right coming right back full circle, that the things that trans people usually face will pro- pos- probably and are most likely to be exacerbated in this time and understanding that just checking in with people and being aware of the particular nuances that we've touched on, I think would be great. Thank you so much, Sally. You you genuinely are such an inspiration to the whole queer community and we're really honoured to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Well, um, very much thank you for the time and you keep broadcasting as as well. And, um, yeah, one day we'll um, hopefully get to... We'll do this again in person. In person, yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, To quote quote Passover, there's a saying at the end of the Passover Seder service, next year in Jerusalem, well... We'll modify that to next year in person, safely wherever we choose to be. And I look forward to that time with you and and everyone else. Take care, everyone. Thanks, Ellie. You too. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This is not an elitist issue. This is a quality of life issue. You want to tell people that their concern and their desire for clean air and clean water is elitist? Tell that to the kids in the South Bronx, which are suffering from the highest rates of childhood asthma in the country. Tell that to the families in Flint, whose kids... Their blood is ascending in in lead levels. Their brains are damaged for the rest of their lives. Call them elitist. You're telling them that those kids are trying to get on a plane to Davos? People are dying. They are dying. And the response across the other side of the aisle is to introduce an amendment five minutes before a hearing and a markup. This is serious. This should not be a partisan issue. This is about our constituents and all of our lives. Iowa, Nebraska, broad swaths swaths of the Midwest are drowning right now underwater. Farms, towns that will never be recovered and never come back. And we're here and and people are more concerned about helping oil companies than helping their own families? I don't think so. I don't think so. This is about our lives. This is about American lives. And it should not be partisan. Science should not be partisan. 
We are facing a national crisis. And if we do not ascend to that crisis, if we do not ascend to the, to, to the levels in which we were threatened at the Great Depression, when we were threatened in World War II, if we do not ascend to those levels, if we tell the American public that we are more willing to invest and bail out big banks than we are willing to invest in our farmers and our urban families, then I don't know what we're here doing. I don't know what we're here doing. Well, to finish up this episode this evening, I wanted to chat about a lovely, amazing politician that I'm not sure if you guys know of, uh, <laughs> Miss Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Who? Mm-hmm. JK. Love that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess for people listening who don't know who she is, mm-hmm. um, she is congresswoman for the Bronx and the sort of north central part of Queens in New York City. She took the congressional seat. It was in 2018, and she is the youngest woman, the youngest, youngest woman the of coolest, color yeah. to ever serve in Congress in US history ever. Mm -hmm. But no, she's amazing. The amount of things that she does for that country Mm. and is pushing for that country is very, very progressive, which is great as well. Did you guys... Maybe not Tom, but Kyle, did you see <laughs> AOC on RuPaul's Drag Race? Oh, <laughs> yes, I did. And I know this really divides our listeners t- talking a bit about RuPaul's Drag Race. Some people love it, some yeah. people hate it. But yeah, I did see her. She was one of the guest judges and she was a mm-hmm. really, really good judge. She's a longtime fan of the show. So it was kind of cool seeing her. Yeah. And a yeah. show like that really like humanizes her. And like I think it's really good because she really supports gay people, trans people, and queer people. Yeah. And so it's really nice to kind of have that input into the community mm-hmm. and like really yeah, gets absolutely. her her scene out there i think and it's great to um, see some politics i'm not that and i will i'm not saying that rupaul has never been political it's yeah <laughs> often has been but it is great to see oh, look i'll be honest i broke my no real rupaul oh, did you watch it <laughs> i didn't watch the whole episode i just Thanks. watched the panel <laughs> at the end just so i could see her um, on the panel judging she, did you like her on like, it oh, no i have to see that yeah of course yeah and it was also good just to get a little bit of a, a view of some of the queens. On, on You're like, oh, some yeah. drag queens. Like, it's been a while. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, she she's absolutely amazing. She's, I mean, I cannot with her. Like, she not just her yeah. policies, but the way mm. that she speaks. She her speaks demeanor, really clearly. Um, she knows she knows that a lot of the stuff that she is um, talking about is going to be televised or shared on online. Yes. So she makes sure that it's really clearly spoken and it's not done in a in a language that can't be understood. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. she also understands that a lot of her followers might come from a lower lower socio. Yeah economic background and so she does make sure that she puts it into language that everybody can understand which is really important in politics Um, and I genuinely believe and this is something that we see so rarely in politics now that she is doing it for the people 100% and And you absolutely believe it too every time she opens her mouth and speaks like I get emotional like she's such Mm. an excellent speaker yeah and she she's doing she puts her money where her mouth is too, quite Absolutely. literally. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you guys saw, but she's very against what she calls black money, which is um, organizations or companies donating money to yeah, uh, political donations. Yeah, to, mm, to, to yeah. politicians for their campaigns. Oh, so yeah. she didn't mm. take a cent for nah. her campaign. And I think she was outspent something like $18 to, for every dollar she spent. Yeah. And yet so still, like- still won based on pure facts and yeah. words and 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 uh, pleading her case mm-hmm. but that's that sort of proves that that it, money doesn't always win and that uh, yeah. that we can actually win this um in an ethical way by not taking money from these companies like yeah, mikey so. she's an environmental gay <laughs> <laughs> she's the greenie on, on february 7th yeah. back in 2019 mm. she submitted her first piece of uh legislation uh the yes. green the green new deal to the senate mm. so that would yeah. phase out fossil fuel use in order to to yes. address climate change. Um, right. And I think it'll be really interesting to see people like her um, in the political sphere after the COVID-19 crisis because yes. we have mm-hmm. now seen that politics actually can move really fast and huge change actually can happen really fast. So it'll be really interesting to see how people look at these sorts of policies that she puts yeah. forward after yeah. this crisis has sort of has been resolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her plan, I think, advocated for uh, the US to transition to electric grid running on 100% renewable energy, like within 10 years. So Yeah, which yeah. no one's looking at, which is amazing. Yeah, no, I was like, which is it's just like mm. why aren't you doing any of that stuff? Mm. Um, also, another really great thing is that 
Speaking of the Green New Deal, like a lot of sort of people opposing her um, were saying, well, how are you going to pay for all of this stuff? Mm-hmm. What, where's the money going to come from? And her response was, well, I'm actually going to tax the corporations. I'm going to tax yeah. the rich people who earn $10 million or more per yeah. year, 70% of their Higher wages. taxes for yes. the wealthy. How yeah. else are we going to pay for this if they're not paying their taxes? Like, and, yeah. she, and she can say that because she's not being bankrolled by those very people. I know. And, it's so great. Every politician <laughs> knows that that's what should happen, but they can't say it because- yeah. Their paychecks are coming from the very people that they would have to be legislating against. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. It's nice to see a politician with such like kind of humble beginnings, and she's not some big yeah. cat in a suit. Like, some yeah, because she was a bartender. Guy. Yeah, yeah, she's a bartender yeah. and a, yeah, and a waitress. Bartender and a waitress, um, working class. Yeah, I would highly recommend our listeners to. There's a, um, a doco on Netflix called "Knock the House Down," which really highlights mm-hmm. her humble start and when she got into the senate so yeah definitely watch it it's really emotional i was watching i was finishing it off earlier today and yeah i was getting like teary-eyed because she's so powerful when she speaks and you just you just absolutely believe everything she says Mm. she Um, reminds me of jacinda arden like yeah yeah concise powerful can they just be the two leaders of the world because i would be so for that (laughs) (laughs) it's an interesting thing though kyle because um at the moment we're sort of seeing, I don't know if you've seen those articles have been shared around, and it's like, what are these certain countries doing well? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're looking at Germany, Taiwan, Iceland, yep, yep. Uh, and New Zealand, and, and and they said, what have they got in common? And it's female leaders. Yes. And whilst, you know, we're looking in the future, we will have, you know, a lot less gender roles and gender norms and gender binary sort of mm. society. At the moment, we still do. And it's sort of fair to say, I think, that generally speaking in society, traditionally women are more caring of people. Um, yes. And so we're, when we're looking at how countries are, are dealing with crises, um, those women and those countries are looking at how to save the people and not how to save mm. economies and that sort of a thing. And mm. so, yeah, it is sort of interesting that looking at, at someone like her, that, that she is her policies are really about people and about future and not about herself, greed and, and need and immediate you know, she's looking at, at, at green policies that will help pe- generations that she won't live to see because that's she knows it. that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Another interesting thing that I wanted to bring up, do you guys, are you familiar with the Overton window? Uh, no. I'm not. <laughs> theory. So, what so a lot of people sort of say, oh, yeah, but no one's ever, you know, no one's ever going to buy into this stuff that she's done. Uh-huh. And people sort of say this about Bernie Sanders as well. Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, but it's so far, like, yes, it's great and I'd love it if that happened, but it's so crazy it'll never yeah, happen in america so or never mm-hmm. yeah. exactly so this theory of the overton window mm-hmm. it's a political theory of this window of what is currently policy and what is so popular that it could be made policy and it can be used okay. for good or bad yeah so basically like if something's policy now something that's similar to it that's generally accepted as, as the right or correct thing to do is easy to turn into policy mm-hmm. now the overton mm-hmm. window is that stuff that's in there and then outside of that you've got stuff that's sort of sensible then acceptable then radical and then sort of unthinkable stuff on the far end of the of the spectrum okay. and so the idea is that you go for something so far out of the of the window that it actually moves the window along that scale mm-hmm. and it can be used oh, for good or bad yeah. so if you sort of look yep, at pauline yep. hansen <laughs> as someone that's used it in a bad way in the early 90s the stuff that that shit that she was spinning on things like 60 Minutes and that sort of stuff, those weird, yeah. bizarre interviews she did, everyone thought she was just crazy and that she would be a flash in the pan. But by yeah. th- by putting forward such crazy ideas, she has over time then moved that, uh, that Overton mm. window of what people perceived as a realistic idea mm. that could be turned into policy and shifted it towards what she wants. Trump's done yeah. a very similar thing with, with China, for example. You know, It's no secret that he's wanted to take power from China and, and cut trade and that sort of thing by calling COVID-19 the China virus yes. and by first of all blacklisting um, visitors from China and that sort of stuff he's demonizing and then so then he can actually do things that are less crazy than that with mm. quite with great mm. ease because people have already put it into their head that that's a possibility God he's um, a piece of shit so yeah he's an absolute <laughs> but what we're seeing here is yeah. um, what we will hopefully see is yes okay some of these things that she's doing are so forward thinking uh, yes. um, mm. and so radical that a lot of people can't stomach them right now but by fighting for them and putting them into people's minds now it means that we actually can start stepping towards those those wonderful concepts that she yeah. has yeah. sorry that's Correct. that's no, there's I probably people that. with like degrees <laughs> in politics listening <laughs> to this going that was the most <laughs> <laughs> 
but that's the best way I can explain I describe it. her as like America's like the people's princess <laughs> like she's yeah. like yes. hands on with the people and she's all in the, in the trenches doing it all like she even you guys see that she um appeared on a video game live stream mm-hmm. which really struck a nerve oh, me it, um, yeah, the, it was um for a live stream that was helping to raise money for mermaids which is a um, yeah. you don't know it's a UK based charity for trans yeah. children so she like jumped in on that and like it was such a good thing like you can watch mm. it yeah good on um one thing i wanted to mention she has come for the ceo of a drug company called gilead Mm -hmm. um on the high cost of prep in the u.s so if you want to go on prep for like a month's worth it costs just under two thousand u.s dollars compared to for anyone in in america listening that's compared to about thirty dollars in australia yeah so like Mm. there's a big big disparity there and she was just like in other countries like it is between 10 to 30 dollars why are you making people spend two thousand dollars nine out of ten people can't even afford to pay for it so more and Mm. more people are getting exposed to hiv more and more people are contracting it like this is a preventative drug like i don't understand why you're trying to profit off people that are in a vulnerable situation so Mm. thank you aoc you're amazing (laughs) aoc yeah healthcare is is a big focus of hers Mm. and again this goes back to her genuinely fighting for people and for human beings because she has no ulterior motives. Mm. One of the big things she's been focusing on is, is a national healthcare system yes. because, of course, the, the healthcare system in America is just fucked. And, and oh my God. what advances yeah. there was made under the Obama administration have been stripped back by the mm. Trump administration. Almost every other developed nation in the world has universal healthcare. And I think as well, unfortunately, because their medical health systems are so crap, let's be real. They're crap. Yeah. The healthcare systems there are starting to crumble. Like The government aren't putting any fundings into to helping testing. Well, they federally, weren't in the yeah. first couple of months yeah. federally. Um, it's only recently that it was brought up in Congress that one of the senators there was just like, well, why are you charging people $1,600 to just get a test for COVID-19 mm. when the rate of this spread is so intense. Why isn't it free? We don't understand. Yeah, and not helping um, people early on in the disease means that they are now having people present with much worse symptoms yeah. and many more of them, which is why the whole system is crumbling, which is awful. And it'll be really yeah. interesting to see whether this crisis, again, affects decision-making now that people mm. can sort of see what, like how countries like Canada, that is so similar and close to America, um, yeah. are affected so so different, completely differently mm. to to the United States, they might be yeah. more open to conversation about it. And yeah. look, if she's done nothing sense. else, she got me to watch um, to back, to back <laughs> That is her <laughs> single greatest achievement. Yeah. I think. Did you? And she actually got like a lot of flack from conservatives online tweeting about her because she supported the gays on RuPaul's and like yeah. they were abusing her left, right, and center. But her her reply to it was so funny. She just tweeted, "Go back to Party City," which is a reference to. <laughs> Is a reference Amazing. to season four oh, of Pete O'Hara. They would have been so they would have been Googling the fuck out of that. Yeah, they're like, what the fuck is she yeah. talking about? I feel like she's at a point now where she's just like, you know what? You throw whatever you want at me because she's been getting it from the day she was elected into Congress there. Yeah. That's right. And so yeah. like what what more else can you throw at her, honestly? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. judging her for supporting gay people, like what's wrong with you? Yeah, also I think if she was worried about being associated with the gay community, then she wouldn't have gone on RuPaul's drag race. Yeah. I don't think that's gonna really hurt her too much. <laughs> She's pushing forward more and more policies, such as like she wants to wipe away student loan debt, which at the moment in the US is stuck at $1.6 trillion. Mm. Free education for all. Also, ending privatizations of prisons as well. Like that Mm. is a massive thing in the States. These big corporations own these private prisons and they're paying police officers to fill them. Like, what? Like, how is this even allowed to happen? Also, increasing minimum wage, which I think really, really needs to happen over in America as well. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks again. Thanks so much for listening. Um, we are going to be having our live stream on Sunday, which is the the nineteenth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the nineteenth <laughs> at eight pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. So if you are a patron, you will be able to access that. If and not, if you're please. not, become one and access that and come <laughs> have a wine with us because I That's really it. need I need the socialization. <laughs> I got so fucking drunk last time. Also, bring your ammo. <laughs> bring your ammo. Oh my god, it's in low supply bring these days. The right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so nice to catch up with you boys again yeah, lovely yeah. Oh, I look if anyone to wants to stay in touch with us of course they can check out our socials mm-hmm. and a big happy birthday to 
Kyle again. Thank Happy birthday, you. Kyle. Birthday. I say birthday. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's my unofficial birthday party on Sunday. So please <laughs> yeah, come to it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> come have a wine with party. me. And right. Yeah, have it. <laughs> <laughs> and to all of our listeners, uh, mm. one of our lovely, lovely listeners in our uh, Facebook group has organised a little Zoom quiz night. Uh, their name is Richard Chin. Hi, so Richard. If you're a part hey, of the Richard. Facebook group, get into that. So that'll be next Friday. Yeah, and I hear some members of the you, podcast you, you, might be dropping in, possibly. I maybe. mean, we might. yeah, but nothing Who else knows? to do. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Let me I check just, the sketch. Like, you need an out of entertainment. Get on mm-hmm. it. But until then, bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.